Hello, happy humans. It's Greg Kettner with the Work Happy Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Hey, everyone. It's Greg Kettner again with the Work Happy Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to yet another edition. Our guest today is an old, dear friend of mine, T.C. Carling from back in the day when we were 20-somethings, had the world... Uh, by the tail working at the Vancouver Canucks I was doing ticket sales and TC was in charge of all the uh, media would travel with the team and whatnot we reconnected 20 years ago uh, not a lot has changed other than that we're older we're wiser and we both have kids but to introduce TC he is the president and CEO of the Canadian Men's Health Foundation now, over the past 20 years, he has gained valuable leadership experience holding the executive roles with the Vancouver Canucks Sports and Entertainment, the GSL Group, and most recently as President and CEO of Fortis Sports and Health. He's also on the Board of Directors for Anxiety Canada. I wanted to bring TC on because he knows how to work happy. His career record proves it as he empowers his staff to exceed their goals, work happy, and take care of their health. He lives with his wonderful family in North Vancouver, British Columbia. He's an avid sports fan who enjoys hiking with his dog. And he is one of the biggest wrestling fans that I know. Jump into a conversation. Um, some of these have a way of just taking their own course. It was a wonderful conversation. We talked about mental health uh, and how TC has uh, struggled with and overcome and lived with anxiety uh, for the better part of 30 plus years. So it was a really great conversation with a lot of good information that I know. I took away a lot of good points and I think you will as well. So enjoy the conversation between two old buddies who used to work for the Vancouver Canucks, myself and TC Carling. Hey, no stranger. How are you, man? I'm doing great, thanks, how are you? Good, good, better now, it's been too long. That sure has. You you living down south? Uh yeah, Walla Walla. So we're yeah. down in wine country, southeast corner of Washington State. How are you, man? Running the whole show at Canadian Men Health. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's been a quite a journey the last couple of years, man. I was um I don't know if for when did you I don't know if Fortia's Sport and Health was open up here when you were up here. Yeah, it would have been. No. Right? Well, yeah, but I didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah uh, the world-class athlete development center in Burnaby is just an amazing place. I was president and CEO there. Uh, a funny story. Uh, the outgoing CEO uh, who asked me to replace him because um, he was retiring, he gave me a book called The First 100 Days. Yeah. The First 90 Days. Pardon me. It's called The First 90 Days. And so I started uh, the first week of December 2019. And so I uh, had a couple of weeks before they started the job that I I read this book that he gave me. It did not say on day 100 there would be a global pandemic and uh, that it would just just be just just detrimental to the um, health, fitness, and hospitality business, which is essentially, I mean, so we closed uh, on March 16th until May 27th. Uh, May 27th, we reopened our allied health business, which is Cairo Physio Massage Sport, uh, Sport Medicine, which to be honest with you, year over year was doing about 95% revenue like in the pandemic it was pretty strong yeah. but uh 60 50 percent of the business didn't open and still wouldn't be open i mean it might have opened here in bc maybe in june maybe yeah. based on the restrictions and that so it was it was hard so we um 
our founder couldn't make it. So we, uh, we closed that business at the end of 2020. Oh, uh, sucks. So uh, 140 team members and myself. Uh, yeah, it was hard. It was, I mean, it, was, it was hard. It was really hard to, uh, to navigate that. It was uh, an accelerated learning that I would have done without probably. And I, you know, I know when we're 30 years from now, when we sit on a rocking chair somewhere, where we, we'll see the benefits of it. But in the middle of it, it was, it was hard, really hard. And, uh, but <clears throat> I'd like to think that uh, I'm not a huge believer in fate. I mean, I think there's something going on out there, uh, but I don't want to be dismissive of it. But I think that if if you put all your eggs in that, then it maybe dismisses hard work and relationships and the things that you try to, you know, navigate on your own, you know. Uh, but whether it's fate or whatever, uh, the fact that the outgoing president of this organization after eight years uh, wanted to retire and offered me the job at the exact same time I'm closing down a business and I start nine days later, like nine days after, you know, like he, he, he was going to leave February 1st. And I closed Fortius uh, December 31st and, and worked until January 20th. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had like 10 days off and, and I've been in this seat now for six and a half months. And here we are. But I, I was with this organization. I think you may know. Uh, yeah, back before. For a year back in launch. Yeah, exactly. So, and I've been on their board for six years. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Um, I work from home, obviously, you can see. But uh, that, I've actually really enjoyed that, to be honest. Not for the reasons. Like, I never would have done it. It was completely forced into it, of course, but being forced into it, um, and there are parts I really like. So yeah, how how old are your kids? We have one. Elsa's nine and a half. She's nine yeah. and a half. So that's great too, right? Because Rachel's uh, my stepkid. Yeah. Um, she's sixteen, and you know, I mean, she's not going to be around much longer. No. But no. Beck and I are both working from home now. So yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I want to that's spot on. And uh, so I mean, with the Canucks, I traveled all the time, and so that was yeah. like the first five, six, seven years of her life. Um, and then the last year or so at Fortius, I left every day about 6.15. And I would try to make a point every day of being home for 5.30 for dinner. But otherwise, like I didn't see my wife or daughter in the mornings and yeah. I'd try to be home for dinner and you know bed, bath and that whole routine. But um, I walked her to school every single day last year. That's awesome. Yeah, so like that's awesome, right? And I was out with Tamsin, my wife for 21 years now. Um, we were out for a dog walk last week and she said, you know, because I'll be honest with you, you know, we're going to get into my own mental health and anxiety. Like when you have anxiety, you're looking for certainty, right? And so sometimes yeah. that can make me, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to use the word cautious, but, you know, let's save the money for a rainy day. Get that kind of mindset, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, she said something and it just resonated with what you just said there about your stepdaughter is that we might have six or seven more summers. Yeah. Where Elsa just either is home or doesn't have a summer job or isn't studying for university or whatever like you sound, you might have two more you know it doesn't mean yeah. that when she's 20 25 30 you won't go on a family trip like we're going to do with family when it's when we can again but not in this realm yep. and so we might have we might have eight more summers maybe you know yep. and so how do i how do i find that balance of okay just live for the now and not plan for the future you know yeah no, that's interesting because I, I read that you were on the the board for Anxiety Canada and and you know when we worked together I would have never have thought in that realm and I never really thought about mental health I, you know I had a couple of friends there they had friends uh, pass away from suicide yeah um, but I've I've just learned so much over the years um, even you know I used to say oh they committed suicide which is 
not the right thing to say anymore, right? It's it's yeah, old well, and whatnot, but it's you you never know. And one of my favorite comedians, Robin Williams, bless his heart, um, yeah. said, you know, always be kind to other people because you never know what other people are going through. And right. and I think that every day now, you know. Well, two things on that, and thank you for sharing. One is um, after we did our work for Rick Rippon in 2010, 2011, initially, I, I went with Alex Oxenham, Alex Mitchell, um, yeah. to San Antonio, Texas, to accept the award um, from the largest grassroots mental health initiative, uh, organization in the U.S. They, they, they awarded the Canucks um, their annual award for the, the, for the, for the uh, work we were doing. Yeah. And uh, uh, we went for dinner the night before, Alex and I, with some just like amazing people, like professors from Harvard and all these guys and yeah. men and women. <laughs> and uh, I said, I'm struggling with, you know, the proper terminology for what happened to Rick. Because the next day I was going to speak and accept this award in like a big ballroom, 300 people. Yeah. And he said, uh, the, I think the right terminology is that he passed away from his depression. Oh, I like it. You know, like he didn't he didn't make this decision of sound mind and I don't, you know, and, and, and they, that he didn't, he didn't lose a battle or he didn't commit anything. He yeah. passed away from depression yeah. and uh, it really resonated with me. Um, and then on the last thing you just said there, or the first thing you said there about, you know, working with me at the Canucks is when I joined the board of directors for anxiety Canada, what I was hoping to do uh, was say that this is the face of anxiety. Yeah. Like I got, I've been married for 21 years. Like I got a nice house. I got good friends. Yeah. Good jobs. I've had good jobs. I'm like healthy. I'm healthy. Yeah. You know, but this is what I have anxiety. And I, I've had it for 35 years. Yeah. You know, and uh, somebody asked me the other day, Dr. David Cool is a guy that a uh, gentleman that he's a researcher and uh, clinician up here in Vancouver that works out of UBC, an amazing guy. And he asked me recently, when did you, like, when did you decide like you were okay to just be so open about it? Yeah. And I said uh, two things. One is when I realized I didn't care what other people thought, and <laughs> when I realized that it could help other people. Yeah. And that's so powerful, right? I mean, it, to get to that point, I mean, you know, Rachel's sixteen, and and it's a different world growing up, right? I mean, it's it's right. based on how many how many likes you get and whatnot, and so there's some anxiety about right around that. And I have to remind myself as a forty nine year old kid from Canada who cares right but it took me until I was 35 till I got to that point yeah yeah and then, no I get it but I, I have hope that um we're raising like that our kids are um is it Rachel you said you're seven? Yeah. yeah that Rachel and she's seven years older than Elsa but that they're just growing up in a more inclusive world like I mean that sincerely like yeah I was uh there's a, I'm a huge country music fan. I don't tick the box. I don't look like it, but I'm a huge country music <laughs> fan. And uh, Brothers Osborne just brought out a song, uh, TJ Osborne, about three months ago on the cover of one of the mainstream magazines uh, said that he is openly gay now. Like he, he that okay. his friends and family had known and the industry had known for quite a long time, but that he was going to share this with the world. And obviously in that uh, demographic and in that genre, that's, uh, that's not... Uh, necessarily uh, a common thing to be open about yeah. and so we were he, he just uh, the brothers are obviously very successful in their career but um they just released a song called younger me oh. and uh, tj wrote it and it's essentially a, it's a story it's a, he's writing to himself that you know uh things are going to be all right yep. and so it's a lovely song it's a terrific song and uh like a lot of their songs so we're driving around in the car 
And uh, I said to Elsa, to our daughter, I said, just listen to the words. It's really a beautiful song. So, so uh, she's trying to stay along, follow along with the story. And afterwards, she goes, oh, so what's it about? And I said, well, it's about, you know, he's telling himself that things are going to be okay. He's telling the younger version of himself, things will be okay. Yeah. And I said, because he just did something really courageous. And uh, she didn't know why it was courageous. In a good way. Yeah. Right. She doesn't right. care. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense to her. Yeah. Why this is courageous. That, like, what, it makes no sense. You know, it's and there's old these, people that we worry about it. Yeah. Right. You know, there's been these awful, uh, as you probably are aware, these awful discoveries that uh, uh, in our First Nations Aboriginal. Yeah, just uh, horrible. Just, it's just it's the worst. And um, yeah. uh, just to see it through her lens, you know, just uh, the things that she, it was a difficult thing to try and talk about without the context that I didn't have. Like, I didn't, I wasn't yeah. as informed about it as I should have been. And we walked down to the school one day and it took my breath away. There was uh, 215 chairs sitting on the basketball court. Wow. That's and awesome. uh, and uh, she came home from school and was educating us yeah. on why those chairs were there, you know? And, and I'm 40, I'll be 46, so you know, you don't have the same age. And uh, I'd like to think I'm a good person and treat people the right way, but we didn't grow up in that same inclusive environment for most of us didn't you know i mean uh, i try to be inclusive and open and and have great relationships but i just think i, I just i just happier about the, the hopefully and our world's not perfect we know that but hopefully that the world that rachel and elsa are growing up in is yeah them themselves are going to be just more open inclusive people just as they as they navigate this yeah, no, and, and I, I was talking to a friend of mine and you know he he's a teacher at rachel's school and and my uneducated 49 year old brain about how life works in teenagers. I was like, well, if they don't need phones, I never had a phone at school. If we, if we didn't show up, you know, our parents didn't call the cops. They were just like, well, that's right. That's right. Our friend's house or whatnot. Yeah. So it's different, but he said, you know, we need to phones and internet and, and screen time isn't going away. We need to teach our kids and teach the next generation how to use it properly. I got an awesome book for you. What? Uh, it's called the end of absence. Okay. And when I hang up on you here, I'm going to go and screenshot shot it and take it to you, uh, send you a photo. It was written by somebody I think is exactly my age. He was Vancouver-based at the time, Global Mail reporter, but uh, I think I think he lives and works out of Toronto, but he was Vancouver-based at the time. And he writes about the summer of 1999, the last trip he ever made without technology. And he's wow. exactly the same age as me, right? So he had, at that point, at the point of publishing this book, he had lived exactly half his life without technology and half his life with it. Right. Yeah. Rachel only knows it. Elsa only knows it. Yeah. Your parents and my parents didn't. They lived 40 years without it. So they don't, <laughs> you know, they've either adopted it or they haven't. You and you and I are sort of right in that sweet spot of like being able to have adopted it and, and become part of our life because we, but also knowing that it wasn't like the be all end all at one point. Yeah. And uh, he takes you on this journey of the book called The End of Absence, like the last time he had this sort of connection to people like like digital connection to people. And he takes you on this journey where by the end of it, you're going to, you're, 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 by the end, you think you're going to be at this conclusion that like the world was way better without it. Yeah. But in reality, he takes you on this journey where you, the better, the world is better with it, but you need to find the balance and you need to manage it, not let it manage you. And it's really well done. Yeah. No, that'd be an interesting reading even for all the, our listeners too, right? Because the listeners are, you know, people who are sports fans or work in the industry like you and I did. Yeah, exactly. So. What, what's uh, how does the, the technology and with the anxiety how do you manage that does that help or hinder that's a good question um 
I'm pretty mindful of it. Uh, I try to use it as a tool. I, I enjoy the Calm app, for example. Yep. Uh, I enjoy audiobooks and podcasts. Yep. So that's where I use it as a tool. Um, I'm a huge sports fan. We know that. That's why, that's why we're on wrestling. here. I remember wrestling. Yeah, wrestling Every too. Every time I walk into here. your little tiny office, you would... Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and, and as a result, uh, I like using Twitter as a news and information tool. You know, okay. like... Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, I, I want to know if Antetokounmpo is going to play after he hurts his knee. And so yeah. that's a tool that I use, but there's a lot of stuff on there I don't want to read. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so, but so the one thing I've done, for example, just on a personal level is I don't use Twitter on the weekends anymore. Okay. You know, but you know, but the exception was last Saturday was a, was an NBA playoff game, uh, finals game, game five, I suppose. And yeah. I wanted to know if there was any meaningful updates, you know, for example, his brother was in the protocol. You know, oh my gosh, he's got to be a close contact. Is the best player in the world going to play in this game or not? I wanted to know. So that's the tool that I use for that. Yeah. But then I like this, basketball is over now for six or for six months. Like I'm not going to, I don't need anything until my, if I need to know if my Kansas City Chiefs lineup is going to be okay in September. So I can take a Twitter break uh, Saturday and Sunday for the next six months and uh, or for the next six weeks. And I, so I try to use it to my benefit. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I'll be honest, I found in the, in the pandemic, especially early in the pandemic, cause we're obviously still in it, but it was a hard tool, um, to find positivity in. Um, oh, yeah. More uh, than it was, especially down here in the state. It was just like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And, and without getting into the whole political thing, like I, you can't help, but it just completely, impl- well, you lived here, you know, like we, we basically live off the same news channels, regardless of what side of the, like in, when you live on this side of the border anyway. Yeah. And that uh, that whole year of uh, of COVID and election news and stuff, it was just the challenging uh, tool to use. So, yeah. so I try to use the tool uh, to my benefit. You know, I'm very physically active, so I I like to walk my dog with podcasts, and so I need that tool for that. And I like to run on the treadmill with yeah. with my music that lives on it. So I try to use that tool to my advantage. Um, but it's funny, right? You, uh, I don't know if you do this with Rachel or not, but we manage it really closely for our daughter. Yeah but we probably don't manage it as closely for ourselves, you know? Right. <laughs> do as I say, not do as I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. No, and I've, I've noticed a, a, a big difference in my mental health. I, I don't watch the news anymore. Yeah. I just, it's it, nothing that if it's something big enough, that's going to affect me. Uh, I'll hear it from a friend or I'll, I'll see it on whatever it is, but it's, I've cut out the news and I turn my phone off at nine o'clock at night and yeah. it, I sleep a lot better. Yeah, I think that's really informative. Like, so on the weekends, like I'm a I'm not a news junkie. I don't want. I haven't watched the news in years, like on yeah. television. Uh, we don't actually own the news channels uh, in our house, um, but I will read Google News on the weekends okay. on the app that I have on my phone. But I won't read Twitter because I it, somehow I've rectified or you know rationalized in my head that I'm just getting news. I'm not getting you know it's just a, it's an yeah. aggregator system of the various publications and and networks and stuff. And then I, but I try to stay off of that, that other, uh, um, yeah, I think it's got a really, really, it's a very beneficial tool at times, but at other times it's, it's, it's not at all. Yeah, no, that's great. And what you're, I mean, you're now at the, you know, the, the Canadian men's health foundation. I was just looking at the website and some of the stats, like with, you know, with your support, we're making a difference in men's health. 75% are improved eating habits. 45% are drinking less. 70%, <clears throat> are exercising more and doing physical activity 46 percent weight loss and 35 percent reduced stress 
that's how you work happy, man. When you're doing that kind of stuff, when you're out walking the dogs, listening to podcasts and not stuck in a board meeting for three hours, that's, that's working happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The stats and appreciate you bringing those up. The stats you just talked about are, are men that have been engaged with the don't change much platform uh, and um, yep. a tool that we, uh, that we share with the men and their families. And, you know, it's a play on words, but the, the notion that we're not asking people to change a lot, like we're not, you know, we've, we're just make those simple, small changes, you know, like you, we just talked yeah. about it. You turn your phone off at nine o'clock at night, you know, and, and now you sleep better. So what are, what are these little tools? What are these little tricks? What are these things that, yeah. And, and that helps you sleep at night, but the larger benefits are, you know, there's the reduction of potential of these chronic illnesses um, yeah. that 70% of the chronic illness that men suffer from are preventable through lifestyle change. That's, you know, it's, um, so how do we help men, um, improve their lives? And, um, I just referenced Dr. Cool, but I'm going to do it again because he wrote, um, a kind message after our, our first ever, uh, men's health month that concluded on June 30th with a mental health theme. And and he talked about the multiplier effect, the, because we shared some of our key stats and the number of people that had, you know, been to a website or participated or watched the videos. And he said, but for every one of those people, you know, there's three or four other people that are benefiting as a result of that. You know, we talk a lot about uh, healthy men make for healthy families, make for healthy communities. Like whether it's the the children, the the women or the men in the home, the healthier they are, the multiplier, the ripple effect throughout the home. Right. I mean, you know, if you're having a bad day, chances are. You know, your wife and, and daughter are having a, you know, you're, probably, you're not probably the most fun person to be around or vice versa. Yeah. Rachel comes yeah. over going in a tough mood. It really disrupts the whole house. So how do we make these changes for men and their families that um, for every person we're helping, maybe we're helping for, you know, or maybe they're walking back into work, a happier person and they're walking, they're a better friend. They're a yeah. better parent. They're a better coach. They're a better brother, sister, son, daughter, whatever it is. Right. Yeah, no, and, and with our family, we always, I mean, it, it's chaotic, right? Becky's at the bank. I'm I'm doing my speaking and coaching thing. And and Rachel, during the summer, she's um, lifeguarding at the, the local pool here and stuff. So we're all got our own schedules doing stuff. But it, it, every night we sit down and have dinner together and there's no phones. Um, and we have these uh, gratitude cards that sometimes we'll go through. Or, you know, we'll just, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk to each other about what happened. I remember the other day, Rachel's got a, a very good sense of humor, um, which I'll take credit for. But uh, <laughs> uh, she came home, this was at the end of last year, and she was taking uh, college uh, biology. She's only a sophomore, uh, grade 10 this year, but she was taking college biology. And she was talking about, and she's like, you know what, we, we learned how to do a tracheotomy today. And she goes, Greg, if you're ever, you know, in an accident or whatnot, I, I could probably give you a tracheotomy. I'm like, really? She goes, well, yeah, you just, you know, you kind of feel over here in your throat and then you do two fingers and you take a knife and jab it in and you throw in the tracheotomy. And I just looked there and I go, you know what? I'll take my chances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> right? Here's a kid who taking a 45 minute class and figured out she could do a tracheotomy. You're like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. I'm going to roll the dice here. <laughs> but you know that that's the thing at least in our family and laughter is such a good release for tension right i mean when stuff is stressed out of you you share a funny cartoon or a joke with somebody it, it kind of recalibrates and sets everybody and, and i've had those days you know I've, i felt overwhelmed during the pandemic and and a good laugh even you know if i turn on bill burr or brian regan or whoever it is right 
have a good laugh. That's how I, you know, pick myself up off the floor when I'm having a shit day. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And you know, I, I, you know, you hear the, 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 the phrase girl dad, but I've just decided to become like fully immersed, like girl dad, you know, yeah. like before, before Elsa was born, uh, people would ask when a boy or girl. And I said, well, first and foremost, we just want healthy. That's all that we really want. But I said, but you know, if, if we, if we can take health, um, then I said, I'd like to have a girl. I said, I got a brother. I know what it was like to be a guy or I am a guy. And yeah. I think it'd be kind of cool. And now, you know, and the thing, so I mentioned country music a moment ago, but her and I just spent the last week choreographing the fancy like dance from, uh, from Walker Hayes's number one okay. song right now. And if you haven't seen it, you can find it on one of the social platforms. And it's, if you can imagine me dancing with a nine-year-old out in the backyard to, <laughs> to Walker Hayes, it's fancy. Like it's a bit silly, but you know, you just got to, I want to see that. So when I do have a crap day, I can. Yeah. yeah I'll send it to you when you have a tough one. But yeah. You know, you just got to go in. Right. You know, and yeah. uh, you know, when, yeah, it's so you try to find those moments and the dinner thing is, is, is a good, is a good one. Um, actually our, our foundation did research last uh, April, May, 2020. Uh, okay. So we were, you know, we were, uh two three months into the pandemic and um there was so much doom and gloom and understandably and, and loss and and other things for people but the foundation did some research that was finding that canadian men were finding themselves uh far more connected to their families in those in those first three months than maybe they'd been in the past and the number one thing that was the connective is fought on with you just said is that dinner is that is that family meal uh where you can share what's happened in your day and obviously back then maybe not much happened because we were all in the same physical space you know <laughs> but it's such a critical piece to the long-term mental and physical health of children and their families when uh, yeah. that family unit can be together um sharing a meal it's, it's yeah. funny right it just seems so simple but when you live these uh as we all do maybe over scheduled or busy lives or you're traveling or you're doing things and then you're forced into a, a situation where everything slows down a little bit yeah. Um, you see the benefits of it, even though it's been hard and it's still not fully normal for most yeah. people. Right. But what is it that we can take from it that you wouldn't have expected? Right. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, like for me, like you, I, you know, you're used to being in front of people. Yeah. Uh, I'd never heard the term bubble before, but before, you know, 16, 18 oh. months ago, but I think my bubble must have been massive before. You know, I mean, I worked in a, I worked in a, in an arena. I flew on airplanes all the time. I was shaking hands, kissing babies, like just, yep. you know, just uh, with the media and players and just, and then all of a sudden I was with two people. Yeah. Every day for like eight, 10 straight weeks. They closed the schools here in British Columbia. It was an adjustment for sure. Yeah. And, but, but now all of a sudden I'm, so I'm still sitting at home 16 months later and, Okay, so now I work out in the seven o'clock hour every day with my wife rather than commute. Yeah. You know, and I, and I took my daughter to school every day for the entire school year of 2020, 2021. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't get that back, right? No. I mean, that's priceless. You know? Yeah, so those are, the, those are the unexpected benefits. There have been things that continue. We've, we've got family, uh, you know, um, we have a niece that was born in January of 2020. We haven't, we haven't met her yet. Yeah. She lives in Ontario. Yeah, you know, yeah. her three-year-old brother, we've met once and she's 20 months and we haven't met her. And so yeah. those are the parts that they don't outweigh those other benefits that I just mentioned, but there are benefits. And you know, I was talking to Simon Whitfield, the great Canadian Olympian yeah. um, in the late spring, because I asked him, uh, 
if you would join our uh, part of the uh, be part of one of our uh, rich dialogues around uh, mental health yeah. in June, and he did. He partnered with Trevor Linden, and they did a fantastic job about the power of movement. Yeah. But I asked him. I said, I I I I know there's not a lot of great things about the pandemic, but what's the silver lining? What's the silver lining for you? You know, and he said, I never thought about it that way. And so there are silver linings in this, right? I, I think it's easy to get caught up in things that have been hard. And, uh, you know, I was mentioning earlier that I was involved with a business that didn't make it through the pandemic and, and displaced 140 team members. Like, that's really hard. You know, our daughter was virtually learning for eight weeks at such a critical age. That's not great. Um, thankfully, we haven't been touched with poor health uh, through this, but, but we haven't seen people in 18 months. Yeah. And so, so I, I, I love your resiliency, right? I mean, going up and down and even your resiliency during when we were at the Canucks, right? I mean, we we're a lot younger and whether we won or we lost for how our moods were for the next couple of days, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was saying to uh, somebody yesterday that I don't think uh, that 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 job, like uh, as I get closer to 50, that the job I had then would have been the right job now and the yeah. job I have now wouldn't have been the right job then. You know, I think it's part of your journey, you know, as I'm almost 46, so heading towards 50, this is the right job for me now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm older. I, I have a desire. I think when you're younger, you're so focused on yourself and, you know, what, what will my next job be? Can I become the manager? What about the director? What about a VP? Now I'm just worried about helping other people. Yeah. You know? That's exactly what I was thinking. Right. I mean, I, I, it's, it's interesting. I'm now speaking in, in, in helping people work happy. And, and working with professional sports teams and one-on-one, uh, I never thought I'd be doing this. I started at the Canucks. I wanted to become, you know, the VP of sales, and that was going to be my life. Yeah. Um, it was the best job I've ever had. I recently, both Jordan Thorstenson and Colby Fackler were on the podcast, right? It was so great, and it's great to catch up with you, and, and hopefully Brummer's going to be on next month. But just these relationships that I had at the time, but like you said, we were 20 something back then. And it was about us. It was about it was about the the status. At least it was for me, right? You could walk into any restaurant, any bar in Vancouver, flash your business card. Oh yeah, this way, Greg. <laughs> you know, to whereas now I've I've done all that. I've I've done the stand-up comedy. I've I've it seems like the last 25 years has prepared me for what I'm doing now. And that's the starting conversations about mental health, starting conversations about how to work happy and encouraging people let's talk about this because that's the best thing that we can do yeah yeah i know i totally agree and um yeah i think ego is a funny word right i often try to think that i'm egoless but i think even in the decisions we make on a daily basis there's some ego involved i you know not necessarily with a negative connotation but whether it's um a singular focus or your being goal-oriented is critical i think but yep. It probably comes with some ego, you know, uh, uh, not because you're trying to get in other people's way, but you're trying to accomplish something on your own. And I think the more and more that becomes less important, you know, or you think about the ripple effect of like, if I achieve this, actually what's happening is the following or people are benefiting. Yeah. Um, because you can't, yeah, you can't achieve anything on your own. Yeah. Nobody can. You know, it's interesting uh, as a, such a huge sports fan, I don't know if you pick, picked up on this or not either, but the golfers and the tennis players now refer to their team. Yeah. yeah. My team and I, you know, there was actually very strict restrictions for the professional golfers going over to the UK for their open championship where yeah. some didn't want to go as a result or what have you. And I think the restrictions included, you could only have four people 
in your bubble. Yeah. So that might be your swing coach, your therapist, and your caddy. Whatever, yeah. And and all of a sudden, like, okay, that is actually a team then. Like, you know, I didn't know the pandemic would actually clarify that in fact that one golfer that we see is actually part of a team, right? And because he can't, he or she, um, they can't they can't accomplish their goals without those other three or four or five people and their physio and their their partner and the person that helps them, you know, make those sacrifices that they're all making. Like the equipment manager and the trainer on the bench, right? That's right. They're in the background. They're helping out the team, and and I, I, I think it's great. You know, I mean, we we talk about how more it's mainstream to talk about our mental health. I mean, uh, the kid Luke Propic came out as gay in the NHL. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and that's a younger kid, right? You're not seeing a 35 year old do that. There's 35 year old gay men in the NHL. They haven't come out, but it's the younger generation that's pushing uh, Osaka, the tennis player, yeah. withdrawing from a major tennis tournament because she wasn't in the right frame of mind yeah um so i i think the message is getting out and what you guys are doing uh you know with your organization is is brilliant yeah i think a big thing is and again i i i, I told him yesterday actually when i was speaking to him that i often refer to things that dr cool uh shares with me or educates with me but when i when i was telling him probably around april or yeah, April probably that, you know, in May we were going to launch this campaign. It was going to run for the entire month of June. And I just wanted to just share with him to the high level, what we were going to do. Um, uh, he said, what you're doing is, he goes, I think what you're doing is spot on. What you're going to do is you're going to normalize those feelings yeah. for people, you know? Um, and I think that's what this, um, what our organization and many organizations are trying to do is, 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 is educate men in our case or educate men and their families um that you're you're not alone like, to, like i think a lot of times you feel like uh, i don't think anyone else feels like this i must be you know but in reality a lot of people feel like that for a variety of different reasons and, and you know and and certainly in the last year and a half um for those of us with lived experience with with mental health in my case anxiety 35 years um we're looking for a sense of certainty yeah that's what i'm looking for every day a sense of certainty. I've been looking for it since I was 10 years old. Yeah. But the pandemic has no certainty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so I've actually talked to a number of therapists as it related to the programming we were going to do. And uh, we partnered with Anxiety Canada on the programming to uh, to work directly with their subject matter experts, psychologists from across Canada. And, 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 and the number of times that they are hearing um, that this, this notion of uh, this feeling that people are unfamiliar with. Yeah, there's been a bit of a leveling of the playing field. Like, you know, I've, I've had a number of friends in the last year and a half say, I'm sort of feeling like this, this or that. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. That's normal. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's normal. And um, so I think everybody, I don't think there's a single person really in the last year and a half that hasn't had some form of mental health, uh, on, like just just feelings they may have never had. For those Absolutely. of us who have had them. It's been like, yeah, no, I get that. I feel I've felt that before. Here's some tools you might want to use because that's what that's what we all need, right? We need tools um, in the toolbox. And but I think the pandemic has for people that have never been challenged with their mental health for whatever reason, and and more power to them. Uh, th- there's been something. It could be anything. When will I see my family? You know, when can I travel? Will my family? Will, will my business make it? Will the school be open? Can my child go to swimming lessons? Whatever. You know, um, there's, it's just been laced with uncertainty. So, yeah. 
and and what I we we started a group here in Walla Walla called Men in the Middle, um, kind of formed out of Reach Out Walla Walla, which is a suicide support group. But it's just a group of dudes. We got sheriffs, principals, uh, bartenders, uh, you know, business owners and whatnot. But we're just a group of guys who get together. Uh, we'll go hit balls together. We'll go to the pub, have a beer, uh, help an old lady paint her house, that sort of thing. So that when we do these feelings do arise, we have a relationship, right? Because you and I, we know each other. We work together. We talked about sports and wrestling all the time. We didn't talk about our mental health back then. Yeah. Yeah. But here we are 20 years later, yeah. both dads and going through a pandemic. And it, it's okay to talk, right? Absolutely. And now I, I have so many guys that will reach out to me, text me like, hey, I'm having a crap day. I'm like, hang in there. You know, if you need to talk, we'll get on the phone. And I'm not a mental health expert in helping people with it, but I'm an expert in talking about it and being empathetic and, and giving a hug or crying with another dude. And it's, it's, it's so amazing. And that's what makes me happy now is that I get to share our story um, and share their stories with each other. And it's, it's normalizing it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I commend that work. And I, I would assume, because it's happened to me, uh, that because of your willingness to do that, the number of people that reach out to you as a result has uh, multiplied, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah I've been messages, no messages on LinkedIn from this one gentleman uh, sent me a note that said, um, I've accomplished a lot in my career publicly and suffered with anxiety for a long time privately. And the work you're doing has, has really helped me. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, or a friend of mine like, uh, for 20 years will call because he knows it's a he knows it's a safe place. Yeah. Yep. And I think I think the more of us that are uh, willing to share, yeah. uh then opens it up uh, again back to that comment I made earlier but there's it's a multiplier effect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, hey, thanks for chatting, TC. I know we could go on and on, talk about the Canucks and uh stories from back in the day, but this has been a wealth of knowledge for me and it, it's good to reconnect. Uh, with an old friend and it, it's amazing to see how you're now serving people in different capacity before it was putting bums in seats and making people happy and and now we're making people healthy what is one piece of advice uh someone one of the listeners they might be i don't know working for the seattle seahawks or um i don't know a soccer club or a hockey club and they are dealing with anxiety what is one thing that they could do right now uh, to help themselves out is it reaching out to you is it going to the you know canadian men's health foundation website what what's that one nugget that you can leave with them i think uh, i think what they have to do is they have to find a tool that can help them whatever that tool is that could be spending time with somebody that could be exercise that could be uh, a reading it could be a podcast but you have to find something that can uh sort of lower the temperature a little bit um, okay. to the best of your ability, I think. Okay. Um, for me, it's physical activity. Um, you know, I'll be super transparent. Um, I think what people don't necessarily understand fully about anxiety if they don't have it or haven't experienced it is that, uh, so I have anxiety. I've had it for 35 years. Yep. I don't have it right now. Like right this second. Yep. Like I might have it later today. I might have it tomorrow. Something might trigger it on the weekend. I don't know. But the one thing I have in my control is, uh, is uh, the tools that I use to deal with it. And the interesting thing is, um, so I worked out today without anxiety. It was yep. just a great workout. But I've had, I've had days where I'm having really bad anxiety. And if I do a hard workout, it 
for at least those 45 minutes or 60 minutes, it's actually gone. It's, it, it's, it's, it might come back at, at the 61st minute, yeah. but it is a powerful thing. Like my wife often says to me, uh, oh, I think you'd benefit from yoga or stretching with, and I said, I totally agree. But what I actually need this tool for is I need to do hard things. Yeah. You know, so that means like, uh, that means the grouse grind here in the North Van, or that means, <laughs> or that means training for a marathon, to be honest, yeah. because I don't really need much more time just you know, <laughs> sitting there thinking too much. I need to do something that's kind of so hard that for 45 minutes, I'm not thinking about it. And the so. grouse grind is the grouse grind is a tough one. If the listeners don't know, it, Google it. Uh, yeah. I think it's the record hike straight up a mountain. I, I think the record, my buddy Sebastian had, it was 28 minutes. I think it's incredible. It's incredible time. Uh, I often talk about my professional journey and my, talked about my personal journey in mental health, but well, my yeah. professional journey in mental health um, uh, started with the passing of a friend and uh, colleague and work uh, teammate, Rick Rippon from the Canucks yeah. in the summer. It's coming up 10 years, actually, August 15th, yeah. 2011. Um, but I, uh, as I look back and I try to craft my own story about Rick, because Rick was a tremendous athlete. Like if you go back and look at all those fitness scores back then, it was always Rippin, Sedine, 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 Rippin, Rippin, Sedine, Rippin, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and he would do the grouse grind in about 32, 33 minutes, which would be a, you know, a team record. But, you know, the more I think about it, Greg, is he was probably, do, I'm only surmising here, but he was probably using that tool that I just talked about to help him. That was he was doing piece. something really hard. Like for those who haven't done it, you're listening, it is really hard. So yeah. your friend to hold it, the 20s, I mean, that's unthinkable. 27, yeah. 20 minutes. Well, I, I did it once. Uh, it took me three days. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Yeah. I used to do it quite a bit with some of the guys on the team at the yeah. time. Uh, I did it in 40 minutes once. I think that was about as close. But, as but that's, but I think like something in the high forties was a little when, more. When we're exercising, uh, our mind is free to not dwell on right. all the stuff that we got going on. It, it just, it, I don't know when people, you know, when Jordan said he was in the zone, it just, it slows your mind down and, and I get it. You know, I, I golf golf. That's my meditation. I go out uh, almost every morning at 5 AM during the summer and it's just me and the golf ball and a couple of swear words, but it's, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's my thing. So, well, Hey, well, thanks again so much TC. I really appreciate you jumping on. Um, and I'll, I'll put in the show notes where people can reach out to the website and whatnot, but uh, thank you for sharing and thank you for uh, all that you do. Well, thank you, Greg. And uh, it's just great to see people uh, evolving and doing things they care about. And the fact that you could take, you know, your past work, comedy, uh, and turn it into something that helps people is pretty, uh, pretty terrific. So thank you. There we are. Another episode of the Work Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to thank TC for his knowledge, for his friendship, and for sharing stories, his story, for talking about Rick Rippon, uh, for sharing books and uh, Dr. Cool, all kinds of great information that we can use to work happy. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review. Give us five stars if you enjoyed the show. Please share with your friends. And if you have any questions, all things work happy, you can find me at gregketner.com or my email address once again is greg at gregketner.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week. And until next time, be kind, 
and work happy.